them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. I hope you've been with us the last, well, of course, fifteen years, but especially the last week, as we batten down the hatches for the government shutdown, and as toilet paper was flying off the shelves and bottled water, milk for the little ones. Yes, yes, the government shutdown over the weekend was brutal, wasn't it, ladies and gentlemen? The House just voted to open the government. The Senate voted to open the government earlier, so the government's open again. Now, those of us who don't work for the government or aren't federal contractors, in other words, the private sector, uh, we didn't notice the government shutdown. It was Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. The government's not open on Saturday and Sunday. As I said on Friday, Friday after 6 p.m. Eastern Time, more government workers were home for dinner or whatever, more government workers at home for dinner or whatever than they would be on Monday morning. Now, if you're the president like Barack, Milhouse, Benito, Obama, of course you'll do whatever you can to punish the American people. After all, you're smarter than everybody else and you're trying to Change America for the better. But if you're a serious person and you understand that really almost nothing shuts down, uh, then you're not out to punish the American people with these these fake uh, uh, dramatic events for the media by blocking uh, veterans from going to see the World War II memorial and so forth and so on. The point is we couldn't shut down the federal government if we wanted to. So much of it remains open. And I'm not talking about defense and national security and so forth and so on. So much of the domestic side of the federal government remains open. And no, I don't want to be inundated with federal workers and federal contractors who tell us how horrific this has been for them. Really, call one of the other hosts. Call a backbencher. They're interested. I'm not. I'm not. What's being done to the American people by the government, that's what I'm more concerned about. Now, as we framed the issue early last week, the White House framed it thereafter, and others have framed it thereafter. The Democrats took a position that clearly backfired, in part thanks to you and this radio program, The Point of the Spear, where we made it very simple. Chuck Schumer and the Democrats chose illegal aliens over the American people. Illegal aliens over hungry Americans. Illegal aliens over Americans who aren't housed. Illegal Americans over men and women in uniform. Oh, yes. Illegal aliens, I should say. Because the Democrats are hell-bent on getting more voters. So they can regain power and never let it go. If you want an example of really what the Democrats want for this country, you have to look at California. California was once a uh, heavily Republican state, not so much in registration, but in terms of voting. Gave us a lot of great governors. Reagan, Duke Majin, Pete Wilson, just many. You couldn't elect a Republican governor there right now if your life depended on it. 
that so you one-party state. Every left-wing kook idea has been institutionalized there. The borders are wide open. The more illegal aliens, the merrier. They've got the highest state income tax in the nation, the highest or one of the highest sales taxes in the nation, property taxes through the roof. They punish their businesses. The regulatory state there is just smothering, and people are leaving. Citizens, I should say, are leaving. Productive citizens are leaving. Illegal aliens are flooding the state. But the Democrats don't care. They're in control, and they intend to stay in control for as long as they wish. It's a one-party state, and it's a state that's completely out of control. This is what the Democrats want for the rest of America. They successfully hijacked an entire state, a state that had been Republican, a state that had voted for Ronald Reagan twice and George H.W. Bush when he ran the first time and hasn't been Republican for president since. They also know that, according to an interpretation by the census of the Constitution, they'll continue to get more and more congressional seats because they count people, not citizens. So they view that as another way to stuff the uh, ballot box, eventually, and to uh, have control. And they're doing this in other states, too. New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and so forth. So we, the American people, we go through this fake drama of a government shutdown every now and then. Uh, This is actually number officially 19 since the 1974 Budget Act, and it's not a shutdown. It's just a, a threat, a fear tactic. By the left, by the media, they go on and on and on about this stuff. The vast majority of the American people are totally unaffected by this. Despite the best efforts of the media and the left to punish us. We, the American people, unless we bend to their agenda. told you before, they hold a gun to our heads politically. This is blackmail. And it's usually successful. But the president said no. He's not buckling. McConnell and Ryan saw the president wasn't buckling. Then they stood Firmer, not firm, firmer. But even more than that, we, the American people, we're on to this. The millions of people who listen to this program were on to this early on. Because we called it, and it's, it's exactly what we said it is. It's a fake and a fraud. The media used it to drive up its radio. Remember those clocks we talked about on Friday? The countdown clocks with the government shutdown? It's embarrassing. How the media cover this sort of thing. Absolutely embarrassing. Chuck Schumer looks like a fool. Now the left-wing kooks are all upset because they feel he uh, buckled. Well, of course he buckled. Didn't make sense from day one. The entire Democrat Party is going to fall on their sword for illegal immigration when 320 million American people are looking on. And uh, as we strongly encourage the Republicans and the White House to make this the stark choice between illegal aliens and the best interests of the American people. And they did. And I want to congratulate the president and even the Republican leadership for that. But let's see what happens now. The horrific government shutdown. Again, over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, the government shuts down. You couldn't get a bureaucrat on the phone if you wanted to. 
and they had off Monday. They'll get their money. Unlike in the private sector. You're furloughed, you're furloughed. That's that. We are tired of being run by the most radical elements of the Democrat Party and the appeasers in the Republican Party. And the most radical elements in the Democrat Party oppose the government being opened unless they get everything they want. Again, we're playing by their semantics. The government open, the government shut, the shutdown, blah, blah, blah. But the more radical elements of the Democrat Party, which means most of them, oppose opening the very government that they say is necessary for our survival. So I want to emphasize this again as I did last week. According to the Democrats, this massive centralized federal leviathan with ubiquitous tentacles in every aspect of our life is necessary for our survival, except when they, at least theoretically, shut it down. Then it's not. That's the position of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. That's the position of Cory Booker and uh, Kamala Harris. So the government is necessary for our survival. People will die, according to Diane Frankenfeinstein. Except when the left's issues aren't enshrined in our budget. Then you can shut it down. I guess people died. Did anybody die over the weekend as a result of the government shutdown on Saturday and Sunday? Did they? No, I don't think so. The Democrats don't know what to argue anymore. They don't know what to say. This big government can never be shut down. We need it. Then on the other hand, let's shut it down. Because we want all these illegal aliens to become legalized and eventually citizens and vote for us. Well, there's a winner issue. And also, as I explained last week, they said, you know, 63% of the Trump supporters support DACA legalization. That is put out by a left-wing group, and they keep repeating it. Even so, again, as I said last week, that's not a top issue among the vast majority of Americans. It's not in the top ten issues, DACA. DACA is not in the top ten issues. And yet this is the focus of the Democrat Party and, and the likes of Lindsey Graham. Now, ladies and gentlemen, over the weekend, I posted on my Facebook and Twitter sites that we need to make a concerted, focused effort to defeat Lindsey Graham in the next Republican primary, even though I know that a lot of Democrats vote for him because it's an open primary in South Carolina and they like him. But he really is a force for, uh, for, for destruction in upheaval, and he's way off. Takes a shot at Tom Cotton. He's taking shots at the other conservatives. He's insisting that Tom Cotton not participate in negotiations involving immigration. Stay with, same with Steve Miller, former Sessions staffer, now Trump staffer. In other words, they want to get rid of uh, the people who actually understand these immigration issues and actually understand where the American people are. So Lindsey Graham, like the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese, he wants to debate over the shape of the table. And he wants to get to decide who should sit at the table. Now, I know he was in the JAG Corps. So what? Tom Cotton is a combat veteran, and to see Lindsey Graham go on MSNBC and trash Tom Cotton is appalling. Lindsey Graham is an IQ of a, uh, of a, of a mineral deposit, and uh, not much higher. 
And of course he won't debate me, because he's weak. But Lindsey Graham needs to be defeated. Lindsey Graham believes there ought to be millions and millions and millions of more illegal aliens in this country. He says he doesn't, but he does. And millions and millions and millions of illegal aliens should be legalized and eventually citizens in this country. And he's a senator from South Carolina. We, we need conservatives from states like South Carolina. Not bizarros and gadflies and so forth. All right, we got a lot more. I'll be right back. The Democrats have succeeded in making, quote-unquote, shutting down the government uh, a big deal issue that they wanted to use against Republicans time and time and time again. And, of course, Republicans always fold. So they figured they could, they could even say that unless you legalize illegal aliens, uh, we're not going to fund the government. Um, they thought they could get away with that and the Republicans would be blamed. But as we pointed out here, no, this time they screwed up. They picked the wrong issue. And it has backfired on them. Now, there's talk that in three weeks, there'll be discussion or a vote on DACA. I don't know what that means, a vote on DACA. If it means amnesty, and that's what we're talking about, shutting down, quote-unquote, the government over amnesty, or they're going to vote for amnesty, we're going to be right back fighting this, folks. You know, I'm only 60 years old, but I don't know how many more amnesties I have to watch before they uh, secure that southern border. Southern border security comes first. All this other discussion should come second. I don't know why the Republicans are unable to articulate this, and I would encourage them, as we encouraged them last week, to take the posture they eventually did, to do that now. How many times the American people have been lied to in the last 30 years? By the Democrats. How many bills have been passed claiming that they would fund security for the southern border, but did not. How many amnesties occurred in the meantime? Many. Many. And chain migration is a disaster. It is an absolute disaster, and it does need to be ended. And the idea that Lindsey Graham gets to decide who's in the room to discuss these things is appalling to me. We reached out to Lindsey Graham on Friday, right, Mr. Producer? And he never got back to us, ladies and gentlemen. Now he's on MSNBC, he's on CNN, he's on CBS, ABC, NBC. He's everywhere. But he's scared of this program. He's scared of this program. He's on Fox. But Lindsey Graham won't come here. Just as he won't allow Tom Cotton, he says, to be in negotiations, or Stephen Miller, the president's aide, to be in negotiations. That's rather fascistic of Lindsey Graham to get to decide who gets to talk in terms of negotiations because he's trying to stack the deck. Now, there's two excellent pieces on this subject of immigration and shutdowns right now, two of the best. One is Investors Business Daily, the myth that government shutdowns hurt Republicans. And they go through a number of government shutdowns. And they point out they never hurt Republicans. 
they really never heard Republicans. Because voters have long forgotten them by November. So Republicans give up, as they point out, too much to reopen the government and end up alienating their base. It's a short piece, but it's a good opinion piece. There's a longer piece in Conservative Review about Chuck Schumer and his lies over three decades about immigration. And the various promises he has made to the American people and his constituents in New York, first in his congressional district and then throughout the state. And we're going to take a little bit of time on this so you know what Chuck Schumer has done to this country well before he was minority leader of the United States Senate. What Chuck Schumer has done to the country with respect to immigration. And I would also ask Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders and Cory Booker and all the other left-wing loons. Just how many more people should be allowed to come into this country from other countries, legally or illegally? How many more? Give us a number. You want to undermine more of American workers? I'll be right back. a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. Oh, yeah, they couldn't win. No, no, Philly couldn't beat Atlanta. No offense. And Philly couldn't beat Minnesota. No offense. They beat Minnesota. Beat Minnesota like a drum, the number one defense, 38-7. to seven. I mean, you have to admit, folks, we've got a lot to cover tonight. Mike Pence was in Israel. He spoke at the Knesset. You know, folks, those of you who listen to this show, you know that I have never supported a two-state solution. But I've changed my mind. I now support a two-state solution. In the East Bank. Well, what's the East Bank? Jordan. I think Jordan should be a Palestinian state. In the East Bank. The West Bank, Samaria and Judea. There's no West Bank. That's a concoction. Okay. Well, Jordan, the entire country of Jordan's a concoction. Where did this king stuff come from in Jordan? Seriously, where did it come from? It's a creation. Oh, yes. So I've changed my mind. The Hashemite kingdom of Jordan should be the Palestinian kingdom on the east bank of the occupied territories. They're occupied by the Jordanians, and they belong to the Palestinians. Of course, I say this tongue-in-cheek. There are no Palestinians. There are Arabs who have added that to their title, Palestinian. And, of course, Jordan is a majority, quote-unquote, Palestinian. And so I don't believe Jordan should be the, uh, that there should be a capital. Uh, Amman is the capital of uh, Jordan. I believe the whole country in a two-state solution should be up for grabs for the Palestinians. So if we're going to create fictions, then let's, Create the actual, the smartest fictions, if you look at history. 
so um, I do believe in the two-state solution. Jordan should be negotiating with the Palestinians, quote-unquote, over just how much of Jordan should become Palestinian. I would argue, quite frankly, that we go to pre-1967 borders in Jordan, uh, and uh, the Palestinians can can start from that position. And I don't think we should recognize Amman, Jordan, as the capital of the Jordanians. I really don't. I think it's an injustice to the Palestinians. And so here I am on the cutting edge again, proposing a two-state solution, where Jordan is given to what we call the Palestinians, and that uh, we recognize the so-called Palestinians as the as the people of Jordan on the East Bank. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? It works, doesn't it? All right, let's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna have some of uh, Pence's speech because it was really outstanding, and I'm sure most of you heard none of it. I'm sure most of you were shown none of it uh, because we're busy pretending that the government shut down and. Uh, uh, living in the world of the left, which is an insane world. It's even a pretend world. Now let's focus a little bit on Chucky Schmucky Schumer, shall we? As our buddy Daniel Horowitz points out in CR, Conservative Review. Every bad outcome on immigration has emanated either from the unelected branches of government, the administrative and judicial, or legislation that was sold to the American people as being the opposite of its actual intent. And this is true of the 1965 and 1990 immigration bills, the 1980 refugee bill, and the 1986 amnesty bill. It is widely known how Kennedy and other Democrats promised in 1965, well, it's widely known because I wrote about it in Liberty and Tyranny, that the new immigration system would not flood the country with poor chain migrants, undermine assimilation, and become a burden on Americans. What is less known is the 1990 expansion of the 1965 law was actually designed to fix the flaws of the original bill, the flaws that were never supposed to exist in the first place, but once again did the exact opposite. In 1989, there was a bipartisan consensus that there was too much chain migration, that there were too few immigrants of particular merit, and that the orientation of the immigrants wasn't diverse enough. What they meant by diversity was that under the 1965 Act, it spawned a monopoly of immigration from Latin America and Asia while locking out European immigrants. I thought that's good, because most European immigrants are white, aren't they? Schumer was lobbied heavily by the New York Irish community to increase immigration opportunities from Ireland, which eventually evolved into the diversity, the, the diversity visa lottery. Contrary to popular thought, the diversity lottery was not designed to bring in more immigrants from the third world, but it was designed to rectify the chain migration from the third world that locked out European immigration. And indeed, for the first three years of the diversity lottery, 40% of the visas were allocated to Ireland. When the comprehensive bill was first introduced in the Senate Judiciary Committee by Senators Alan Simpson and Ted Kennedy, it actually had a point system that prioritized English language proficiency and limited chain migration. But even as the bill was quietly you know, being made into yet another expansionist bill, contrary to its initial pitch, 
Chuck Schumer was still promoting the bill as a way of moving from chain migration to a skills-based system and fostering more, not less, immigration from Europe. Are we allowed to do that? Are we allowed to foster more immigration from Europe, or is that a bad thing? Or is that racist? On October 3, 1990, Schumer lamented on the House floor how only 4% of all immigration is employer-sponsored, which hurts our economy and hurts every American. He said that this bill would correct that problem by making immigration based on skills because immigration should be job-related, he said. It should help America grow economically, his quotes. He also said, quote, immigration should be as diverse as it once was because countries like Ireland, Italy, Poland, and Nigeria cannot get people into this country even though there are many people of that ancestry here. I guess Chuck thought that some cultures are better than others. He must be a racist. Not only did Schumer lament family-based migration, shutting out merit-based migration, he actually touched on America's ancestry and lamented the monopoly of Latin America over Europe. And he did so almost 30 years ago when we were at, at the foot of the mountain of chain migration from those countries. That was 30 million immigrants ago, almost all brought here through chain migration many of whom came in as a result of migrants who came here after enactment of the bill Schumer supported, which was supposed to rectify what he admitted harmed America's economy. Yet he lied to us in 1990 about fixing legal immigration, just as he lied to us in 1986 about amnesty. During debate over the 86 amnesty, Schumer said the following, and I quote, What it is not. It is not millions of people cascading across the border. It is not welfare benefits for those folks immediately. In fact, it's in the bill right now that they cannot get AFDC benefits. It's not immediately wives and husbands and children will come across. Not the case, he said. Well, guess what? The highest rates of welfare usage are now from the countries of origin most associated with illegal immigration, namely Mexico, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. But it goes a step further. Now those lies are home to roost. Schumer admitted amnesty was a gamble. Now he's shamelessly asking us to gamble our future on the failed results of his first gamble. As reported by the New York Times following passage of the amnesty, Schumer said something amazingly prescient. Quote, the bill is a gamble, a riverboat gamble. There's no guarantee that employer sanctions will work or that amnesty will work. We are headed into uncharted waters, unquote. To this day, we are paying for Schumer's self-admitted gamble on amnesty and lies about enforcement with an entire new generation of illegal immigrants that he promised wouldn't even exist. We're paying for the lies about the 1990 bill, that it would fix chain migration. As we are witnessing a wave of chain migration, even the skeptics could never have imagined back then. We're paying for his lies about the diversity lottery, which was supposed to reorient immigration towards Europe and has instead opened the floodgates from the Middle East and has brought in even some terrorists. And here we are three decades later with the same man now leading the Democrat Party and shutting down the government in order to promote amnesty for the very people that came from his original amnesty. Are we to continue taking this man seriously? Either way, it's important to observe that once upon a time, Schubert least felt the need to lie to the American people, and actually speak like Tom Cotton and Stephen Miller. Even as late as 2009, Schumer had to speak with clarity on illegal immigration. 
except back then, very few called him out. Now he feels uncomfortable because Tom Cotton has matched his institutional knowledge about the issue and is able to call BS on his duplicitous talk of enforcement. Now Cotton has a bill that finally fulfills the bipartisan promise on chain migration. And Goodlatte, Congressman Goodlatte from Virginia, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, has a bill incorporating both the Cotton Bill and some sort of amnesty for 700,000 illegals. And yet Schumer is rejecting something that he has expressed support for on an issue for which he is personally responsible. Now, we've been doing amnesty since 1986. And we've been lied to about immigration in general since 1965. We haven't been fixing legal immigration to end chain migration, which was a bipartisan promise that Schumer agreed to in 1990. Isn't it time to first fulfill the promise to Americans before pursuing another amnesty? There's an important lesson from Schumer and Kennedy and the rest of them in the 1990 bill. Aristide Zolberg, one of the leading immigration historians of recent memory, asked the question in the scholarly book, A Nation by Design, how a bill that was introduced amidst anti-mass migration sentiment in the country wound up moving in the opposite direction. Citing other commentators, he noted that while public support for a reduction in legal immigration was broad, it was not well organized. In contrast, a liberal coalition of well-organized groups, including ethnic organizations, churches, and employer associations, articulated strong opposition to proposals for restricting legal immigration. You can see that today with the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism. Schumer has moved full speed ahead on lies and subterfuge on immigration for decades because there was no organized and precise voice to give power to the silent majority on this issue. Nobody has stood for the forgotten American taxpayer who must bear the burden of terrible immigration policy. That is changing with voices like Cotton and Miller, which is why Chuck Schumer is no longer speaking the language of the American citizen, because there's now somebody on the playing field to hold him to account. And I might add, ladies and gentlemen, it's no coincidence now, Lindsey Graham conspiring with Chuck Schumer want Cotton and Miller out of the discussions altogether. They want a clear field to continue their lives and their transformation of America. I'll be right back. I've been duly corrected by P.S. Runner, and I've been advised, I said, back to the pre-1967 borders. We've met, of course, pre-1948 borders when it comes to Jordan. And my uh, Levin proposal, which is, of course, that uh, there should be a two-state solution, and Jordan should be the other state, for the Palestinians, of course, uh, for the Palestinians. And uh, we should be prepared to move our embassy, or to change it, uh, in Amman, Georgia, to the embassy of the United States in the country of the Palestinians in Jordan. Sixty percent of the population of Jordan is Palestinian. That's the name we use. They're Arabs, but we play along here because otherwise it gets confounding. Sixty percent. Uh, so um, the East Bank, the East Bank should be the second 
country, the two-state solution. I believe this quite strongly. And we'll throw in Gaza while we're at it. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes. The holidays might be over, but the winter has just begun. And according to studies, the air indoors contains up to 100 times more pollution than the air outside. Now, this can cause illness, allergies, and unnecessary wear and tear on your HVAC system leading to costly repairs, or even worse, the premature replacement of the entire system. Resolve to breathe better with FilterBuy, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all ship free within 24 hours. Plus, they're manufactured right here in America. An American family, there's a small business, owns this business. FilterBuy offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade, so you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, and other allergy-aggravating pollution while maximizing the efficiency of your system. And right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto-delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again. You never need to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or any other place, and they'll know exactly what to send to you. Save money. Save time. Breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com, FilterBuy.com. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is Chucky Schmucky Schumer on the floor of the Senate today. Cut one, go! Since our meeting in the Oval Office on Friday, the President and I have not spoken. And the White House refused to engage in negotiations over the weekend. The great deal-making President sat on the sidelines. He sat on the sidelines, stayed in the White House, and kicked your ass. That's how pathetic you are, Chuck. May I call you Chuck? Go ahead. Despite and because of this frustration, I've been having conversations with the Republican leader over the weekend about a path forward. After several discussions, offers, counter-offers, the Republican leader and I have come to an arrangement. We will vote today to reopen the government. They're going to vote today to reopen the government. Who not associated with the government knew that the government was closed? Did you did you know the government was closed? I didn't know. I mean, if they didn't tell us, would you know? If they didn't tell us the government was shut down today, would you have known the government was shut down? Let me tell you something. I would have known. You know why? I flew back to Virginia from Florida, where my parents are, and the uh, parking lot at Reagan National Airport was half empty. The streets. It was, it was, a, it was a buzz. You could just f- drive down the streets. There was almost no traffic. I said, wow, we got to shut down the government more often. This is great. Go ahead. Continue negotiating a global agreement. With the commitment that, if an agreement isn't reached by February the 8th, the Senate will immediately proceed to consideration of legislation dealing with DACA. The process will be neutral and fair to all sides. We expect that a bipartisan bill on DACA will receive fair consideration and an up or down vote on the floor. So, ladies and gentlemen... The number one priority of the United States Senate, in both parties apparently, is illegal immigrants. Not to deport them, not to discourage them, but to legalize them. I, I, I'm just, 
I'm just shocked at all this, to be perfectly honest with you. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Fox News reporting more than 50,000 texts exchanged between FBI officials Stroke and Page are missing. More than 50,000 texts were exchanged between two FBI officials who have come under fire for exchanging anti-Trump messages during the 2016 campaign. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has revealed today. The revelation came as lawmakers have been pressing for answers after revelations that the FBI failed to preserve five months of texts between Peter Stroke and his, what, Lisa Page. We will leave no stone unturned to confirm with certainty why these text messages are not now available to be produced. And we'll use every technology available to determine whether the missing messages are recoverable from another source, Sessions said in a statement provided to Fox. If we are successful, we will update the congressional committees immediately. The missing messages from Stroke and Page span a crucial window between the presidential transition and the launch of Robert Mueller's Russia probe, where both officials previously were assigned. After reviewing the voluminous records on the FBI servers, which included over 50,000 texts, the Inspector General discovered the FBI system failed to retain text messages for approximately five months between December 14, 2017 to May 17, 2017. Session said, I assume they mean December 14, 2016 to May 17, 2017. Let me continue. I have spoken to the Inspector General, and a review is already underway to ascertain what occurred and to determine if these records can be recovered in any other way. We need to get to the bottom of it and find out what exactly happened, said Representative Jim Jordan, and he's right about that. The Justice Department acknowledged the lapse in records in turning over 384 pages of new text messages between Stroke and Page, who were romantically involved, to congressional committees. And, of course, they had a role in the Hillary Clinton so-called investigation and the attack now on the President of the United States. The Department wants to bring to your attention that the FBI's technical system for retaining text messages sent and received on FBI devices failed to preserve text messages from Mr. Stroke and Ms. Page from December 14, 2016 to approximately May 17, 2017. The FBI informed the Department of Justice that many FBI-provided Samsung 5 mobile phone devices did not capture or store text messages Due to misconfiguration issues, I, you know, I'm not buying this crap, not for a minute. Isn't this interesting? May 17, up to and perhaps through May 17, that is the date, May 17, 2018, excuse me, May 17, 2017, 
that Robert Mueller was appointed special counsel, ladies and gentlemen. The time has now come, in fact, it's long overdue, for a special counsel to investigate the senior levels of the FBI. For a special counsel to investigate the conduct of former FBI Director James Comey, the conduct of Deputy FBI Director McCabe, that conduct of Deputy of FBI Chief of Staff Radcliffe, that conduct of FBI Investigator Chief Counterintelligence Investigator Stroke and his girlfriend Page, and wherever else it may lead, including to potentially Robert Mueller and his staff. A special counsel needs to be appointed who has no past connections with Washington, D.C., no connections with the FBI leadership, no connections with Mr. Mueller and his cabal, no connections with the United States Congress at all. Such men and women do, do exist, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what's exactly needed at this moment. 50,000 text messages missing, a critical gap. A critical gap. This is worse than the 18-minute gap that they used to mock Richard Nixon about. And his secretary, Rosemary, whatever her name was. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember when this stuff used to matter. And the text messages that we do have are damning of the senior levels of the FBI. Are damning of FBI interference in the last election at the highest levels. Are damning of the intelligence agencies and the NSA. That's correct. And now we, we have FISA that's been poisoned by the prior administration. Again, the senior levels of the FBI and the Justice Department. They get a FISA warrant, a warrant that requires probable cause that the target, who is to be wiretapped or otherwise surveilled, is a foreign agent. So whom in the Trump campaign or the Trump transition was a Russian agent? Nobody. Nobody. Mr. Mueller has no purpose for his existence, none whatsoever. But we do need a special counsel now. I'm not big on special counsel, but the time has come. If that's the manner by which we do these things, then it's time to do it. A special counsel who will look into the various FISA applications, at least two that we know of, to determine if the Hillary Clinton and DNC funded fusion GPS opposition research with the assistance of the Ruskies, was used to get a warrant against anybody in the Trump transition of the Trump campaign. We need to know to the extent to which federal law enforcement and federal intelligence was weaponized by the Obama administration and used against a presidential candidate in transition of the opposite party. There can be no bigger scandal in America. We're the Democrats. Busy shutting down the country over illegal immigration. Where are the Democrats? Busy spending their every waking moment trying to legalize illegal aliens. Where are the Democrats? The Democrats are colluding. They don't mind interference with the election if Hillary Clinton had won. As a matter of fact, they like interference with the election. Their great lion of the Senate, Ted Kennedy, Chappaqua, Chappaquiddick Ted. He, his surrogates, met with top officials 
of the old Soviet Union for the purpose of colluding and conspiring to defeat Ronald Reagan in his re-election for President of the United States. An act of treason if there ever was one. Ted Kennedy, the Lion of the Senate. There was no special counsel investigation of him. No, no, never. This is a big deal, of course, and there are many. There are many. You would think there'd be a Democrat at some point, at some time, in some place who would say enough is enough. But there isn't, and there aren't. Party before country. That's where the Democrat Party is, and many in the Republican Party in Washington, too. But particularly in the Democrat Party, it's party before country. Oh, we have a technical system failure where just in this five-month period, 50,000 text messages were lost. 50,000. Well, where did they go? We don't, we, don't, we don't know. We had a technical failure in, in our Samsung devices, and we will do everything we can to save them. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, tell me, has the federal government ever lost any data on you? Has the IRS ever lost any data on you? Have the keepers of your medical records in Washington, have they lost any data on you? No. I don't believe in coincidences like this. I absolutely do not. I will tell you from my own experience. Over at Landmark Legal Foundation, where we were litigating against the Environmental Protection Agency a decade or so ago, all of a sudden, most of the data we wanted went missing. Well, what happened? Was there a technical glitch? No, there was no technical glitch. They kept erasing it and erasing it, and erasing it, and erasing it. In other words, they never stopped their system of erasing the databases. Oh, and they were erasing the backups, and the backups, and the backups, and they were erasing the backup. Oh, we don't know anything about all this stuff that took place. And they were held in contempt. But little good that did, we never got the information. And it happens all the time with the federal government. But I am not believing this, not for a minute. I am not believing in these backdoor collections of information on Trump world either. Oh, it's incidental collection of information that just incidentally involves the unmasking and leaking of the names of people like Lieutenant General Flynn. Oh, it's just incident. I don't believe it for two seconds. I don't believe for two seconds that dossier wasn't used to get those FISA warrants, or at least one of them. Not for two seconds. I don't believe for two seconds that Jim Comey leaked one document. Leaking is a pattern. Leaking is a habit. And depending on what you leak, it's illegal. Jim Comey needs to be investigated. Instead, get this, William and Mary College, one of the oldest and greatest educational institutions up till now, has hired Jim Comey as a guest lecturer. As a guest lecturer. William and Mary. What a disgrace. So, yes, there needs to be a special counsel now. I won't accept the job. I don't think they can pay me enough. But there are people who could do the job. I've got one in mind. Andy McCarthy. He could do the job. And there's many others. Joe DeGeneva. Yes, I know, he's from Washington originally and so forth and so on. Yeah, but he is not of Washington. May be there, 
but he is a distinctly different presence. Very, very bright man, both of them. And there are others who could do the job. We need a special counsel now. And I would strongly encourage the Attorney General of the United States to appoint one. Yes, he may be recused on Russia, but this is not Russia-specific. This is about corruption. Corruption under his own nose, and which he can see with his own two eyes. It's special counsel time. And I am quite serious about this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So the civil rights issue of our time, the first two years of the Obama administration when the Democrats had overwhelming control of the Senate and the House and the presidency, to quote every reporter in this country virtually, they controlled everything. They never did a damn thing on immigration. So it's the civil rights issue of our time all of a sudden. And I would ask people in this country, particularly in our poor cities or poor areas of our cities, and particularly in rural areas, what do you think about your politicians who are supposed to represent the American people spending all this time and effort on the new civil rights issue, which is foreigners, which is allowing more foreigners into the country, legally, illegally, doesn't matter, and making sure foreigners who came to this country illegally are legalized, and in many instances at your expense. What do you think, Chicago, of Dick Durbin saying this is the civil rights issue of our time? This is the civil rights issue of our time? Immigration? I just want you to keep this in mind when you vote next time. The civil rights issue of our time, apparently, ladies and gentlemen, isn't school choice and breaking up the education monopoly so your children, particularly in the poorer areas, can have a quality education without being scared to get stabbed or something of that sort. The civil rights issue of our time is making illegal aliens legal and eventually citizens. And he's not just talking about people here illegally now. The civil rights issue of our time is people who manage to get to the United States, and if the Democrats have their way, all of them. How many should we take? Another 10 million? 20 million? 100 million? A billion? And what happened to all those great societies and countries out there that are not assholes? Why do so many people born in other countries want to come to this country? If those countries aren't assholes and our country is a white privileged society, what is that? Does it make any sense? No, because the Democrats don't make any sense. The ends justify the means. They don't care about consistency. Unless they're consistently grabbing power. And why is it left that Chuck Schumer, as a friend of mine just wrote me, Chuck Schumer announces their deal. Why wouldn't Mitch McConnell announce the deal? Isn't he the majority leader of the United States Senate? Look what we've been put through the last week. All the phony issues. Government shutdown. Saturday and Sunday. There is no damn government shutdown 
officially on a Saturday and Sunday. It shuts down automatically. And to the extent it shuts down, for the vast majority of people who don't work for the federal government or are paid by the federal government, who are not federal contractors, it's utterly and completely irrelevant. They're not fighting like hell over the debt. They're not fighting like hell over rebuilding the United States military and treating our military with respect. They're not fighting like hell about crime in our inner cities, which is completely out of control. They're not fighting like hell for school choice to make sure all the children in this country have an opportunity to real education. But no thanks to the NEA and the AFT. They're fighting for illegal immigrants who they refuse to deport, even a small percentage of them. In other words, the Democrat Party is fighting for itself. Tommy, Los Angeles. Uh, how are you? I don't know how you're listening. It's not put down. Let's assume KRLA. Go. <clears throat> Good afternoon. How are you doing? Go ahead, Tommy. Yes, I, I had a quick question. Last couple of days, I've been trying to figure out this whole immigration thing and Trump's advisor to um, immigration. And I understand it's the Stephen Miller uh, person. So I tried to find some information, like try to look up his background or try to, you know, see a resume. Like what, 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 what does Tell a, me, tell me who's advising Chuck Schumer? What's his guy's name? Wait, wait, wait hold on one second, sir. Um, so I understand that, that, that this guy is like under 35 years old. So I'm like, man, what, what kind of, I like, I'm trying to see like what his resume speaks of. I think his resume is, is a lot longer than Barack Obama's was when he was elected president of the United States. You wear that? Well, actually, so when I when I looked up so far, the only information I can find on Stephen Miller is the stuff that he did at Duke um, with the uh, lacrosse rape case. And uh, all right, sir, that... sir, if you're calling just to smear somebody, you're calling the wrong show. I've asked you a couple of questions, you didn't answer because you don't know the answer. Who's this Fengali advising Schumer? You don't know and you don't care. You're calling here to try and smear somebody. Tell me, uh, Tom Cotton has similar positions as Steve Miller. He's a combat veteran. Chuck Schumer, combat veteran? Was Barack Obama a combat veteran? I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Did you know that in 1925, an ounce of gold was worth $20? It could buy two suits and a shirt. Now, times have changed since then. We no longer carry a gold coin in our pocket as money, do we? The government made us exchange that a long time ago for a $20 bill. PM Capital is in the wealth preservation business. Keeping your buyer power is their gold. Investors know that it's not what you have, it's what you keep. Today, if you want to buy two suits and a shirt and use the $20 bill I received for my gold coin, it might buy a pair of socks. But if I had my one-ounce gold coin, it would still buy two suits and a shirt. That's called preserving your buying power. Don't you want to keep what you have, like your buying power? Learn more by claiming your free PM Capital Investor Guide and for a limited time, receive $500 in free gold or silver on qualifying purchases. 
All you have to do is call. And I've made it really, really easy for you. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. Pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. Dial pound 250, say Mark Levin. Their specialists are standing by. Government shutdown or no government shutdown. But this is really very, very important for you to understand. There's some financial advisors who are actually quite good, and they'll tell you diversify, and that ought to include gold and silver and real estate if you can, and stocks and bonds and so forth. Then there's others who are just dead wrong, who just push their own ideological preferences. The word is diversify. Diversify. So you can keep your buying power. That's the point. That's the goal. The $20 bill... In 1925, well, it doesn't buy what it did in 1925. An ounce of gold in, 2020, in 1925, it buys a lot as it did back then in 2018. So keep that in mind. And this is a wonderful organization, PM Capital. I brought them on board as our new sponsor when it comes to gold and silver. I know one of their primary individuals there, Scott Carter, personally, Known him for years and years. Maybe you've seen him on TV. He's a very honorable and decent gentleman. Uh, and again, you can dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. That's pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. And see if you qualify for that $500 worth, too. And free gold or silver in qualifying purchases. That's pretty cool. All right. Let us go to the phones, and we've got a lot more to cover today. Jack, Los Angeles, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. How are you, Mark? I'm good. How are I you? Wanted to, I'm okay. I wanted to get back to the issue of the two-state two solution. In fact, uh, Chaim Weitzman, who was the first president of uh, Israel, in his bid to the U.N. to please let him have a home for all of these refugees coming from Europe, he wanted a home for the Jewish people. He was negotiated, but he was negotiated down from the original Balfour Declaration, which made all of Jordan and what is now Israel as one property. Seventy-three percent, or thereabouts, was awarded to Jordan, called Transjordan at that time. That's right. right. And the balance was given to Weitzman for the land of Israel. Less those pieces of property that were the West Bank and other pieces cut out for the Arabs. All right, my friend, you are right on in the sense that the vast majority was Transjordan or Jordanian. But I have to talk about today, you know, we talk about a two-state solution. Two-state solution, as I said to my listeners in the first hour, which is most of you. Uh, that I have a two-state solution, that Jordan, as is today, should be the Palestinian homeland. Jordan is a make-believe country with a make-believe king, just as the name for Palestinians identified, they're actually Arabs, uh, was co-opted and used to uh, define and to label this group of Arabs. So you want to play along? Yes. And we'll call it the East Bank. And we should go to pre-1948 borders when it comes to the the uh, creating Palestine out of Jordan. I mean, my solution is a perfectly good one. 
Emmanuel, Bridgewater, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Okay. Hey, I got a uh, pretty good solution to probably the problem that the Democrats and Republicans face. Um, yes, yes. They should take, like, a fake poll and say that all the illegal immigrants will vote Republican, and we'll see how fast that wall goes up. Yeah, well, but, you're right about that. <laughs> you know, and the other thing is this morning I was watching uh, Fox and Friends, and they played a clip. I don't know if you've seen it, but it had a Clinton, Bill Clinton on his uh, State of the Union, Obama in 2009, and Schumer, I forget what year he said it. Well, you know, I'm glad they played it. We already did that on Levin TV some time ago. I think, what, beginning of last week or so? Yeah, we, we, we did that already, and we played some of the sound bites here on this show, too. It's unbelievable. You have to understand, sir, we're monitored by everyone for everything. It is It is unbelievable. It really is. And, you know, I don't know why people just put up with it, you know. Like, All right. Thank you for your call. You understand what I'm saying, Rich? It's just incredible. We dig this stuff up. Rich does. I do. Others do. Ah, let's continue. Frank, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sirius Satellite. Go. Mark, thank you so much for taking my call. Honor and a privilege. You know, Mark, this, this illegal immigration battle, I think we have to remember one thing, and, and it reminds me the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, you Howler. know, we, for, we forget that we elected Trump, but the Republican establishment, they did not want him, okay? Who did they want? They wanted Jeb, all right, who, who would have been the same as Hillary. And I think that we need to remember that they're all owned, and that's why they don't want the wall. They, they want chain migration. They want everything the Democrats want. Sir, are you there? We're in the situation. Yep. But I'll tell you what, you're right on, Frank. I agree with you completely. I really do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. And the thing that I find interesting is people are calling up and, and complaining about Stephen Miller. And, you know, notice they're not calling up. Let's let out. Stephen Miller, for the rest of the country, is a staffer to the president. This is one of yeah. his areas of responsibility, as it was with Jeff Sessions. He used to send us notes from time to time here on the Mark Levin Show. Uh, but they're out to destroy him. They're out to destroy Tom Cotton because this is what the left does. My problem is Lindsey Graham. And if Lindsey Graham gets to say that Tom Cotton and Stephen Miller shouldn't be uh, involved in negotiation, I say Lindsey Graham shouldn't be involved in negotiations. He's a Democrat for all intents and purposes. He absolutely is. And But Lindsey Graham speaks for the establishment Republicans. And, and they didn't want Trump from the beginning. And, and for all the, the positives and negatives with Trump, immigration is what got him elected, especially in the swing states. Pennsylvania, Michigan. No, you're Wisconsin. right. This was the number one issue. Number one issue, and, and now we're in here playing playing patty cake with the Democrats. Why is that? Everybody knows it's the number one issue. I know it. You mm -hmm. know it. They know it. Mm -hmm. So so what, what's with the games? They don't want it, Mark. They don't want the wall. They don't want the end of chain migration. They, they put the visa lottery in. How crazy is that? So, I mean, mm -hmm. if you really think about it, these are the same old nonsense that we've been dealing with for years. And thinking that electing Trump was going to change a Mitch McConnell or a Lindsey Graham, we need to wake up. That nothing's changed. They're the same. All right, my friend. Although I have to say, uh, Trump really got the best of uh, schmucky Chucky on this one, didn't he? He did. Yes, he did. So let me ask you this, Frank, being from Philadelphia and all. Why would Mitch McConnell allow Chuck Schumer to announce that they were opening a government that 90% of us didn't even realize was closed? 
Because I think that his <laughs> great question, Mark. <laughs> if you're asking me to, to guess why Mitch McConnell does what Mitch McConnell does, I mean, the, the answer is it, it never makes because sense. Because he's weak. Because he wanted exactly Schumer right. to save face. Instead, yeah. what he should have done is rubbed his face right in the mud. Exactly right. That's exactly what he should have done. He should have come out and said, "Hey, wait a minute. This is wrong. The American people are against it, and that's why all of a sudden you're 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 going back on it because you tried to please your base." And look what happened. You're going to lose seats. And he should have. He had the perfect opportunity. But you know what, Mark? Every time they have the opportunity, this is what they do. Because they don't want it, Mark. They don't want it. All right. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Frank from Philadelphia. All right. Sean Kingman, Arizona, the great KNTR. By the way, Sean, how far is Kingman from Tucson? Um, I think it's about uh, three and a half, four-hour drive. So Kingman is is well north of Tucson, right? Is, is it yeah, north of Phoenix too? It. No, Phoenix is about a three and a half hour drive too. I'm about an hour away from Vegas, and about an hour away from Lake Havasu. All right, so you're northwest. Okay, yeah. very good. Go right ahead, my friend. Okay, I had a question. Um, are non-citizens covered by the Constitution? In what sense? They get due process well, rights and things of that sort. Right, but I keep hearing how the travel ban is unconstitutional, how a lot of our illegal immigration is unconstitutional. Yeah. If they're not citizens... Well, for, then, first of all, citizenship has nothing to do with Neither of those things are unconstitutional. You have left-wing judges that are out of whole cloth creating these things. But, yes, certain non-citizens do have certain rights. <clears throat> for instance, uh, if a non-citizen is here legally... Uh, they have due process rights. You can't just say you committed a crime and throw them in prison. If they didn't rob a bank, or you're alleging they robbed a bank, or something of that sort. So it depends on what you're asking me. Well, I, I'm asking you if... You know, I, I understand that these laws we've passed are, are not unconstitutional, but where do they come off saying that it's unconstitutional? I, I don't see where... Which one are you talking about? Uh, the, the travel ban mainly right now. Well, it's clearly not. These judges are way out of their league, way out of the, They're almost insane. How can the travel ban be unconstitutional? We're talking about refugees, right? So-called. We're talking about people from foreign countries who've never set foot in the United States. How do you confer due process rights on foreigners who are citizens of other countries who don't even, who aren't even in the United States? Yeah, exactly. Well, that clearly I mean, not is even bizarre. Here yet. I, I don't see how our Constitution... It doesn't. It doesn't. These are rogue yeah. judges. These are rogue judges. All right, my friend. Well, Kingsman, are you originally from there? Uh, no, actually, I'm from Southern California. Southern California? You mean you're not from Philadelphia? No, no, no. <laughs> no, we, we, we had to get out of there. It was getting bad, so... You mean Southern California? Yes, Southern California, exactly. And uh, have you ever been to Boston? You know, unfortunately, no, I haven't. No. Are you familiar with the New England Patriots? Yes, I am. So who will you be rooting for, the New England Patriots or the Philadelphia Eagles? Is that a tough one for you? You know, uh, I don't watch football. Well, then it's not tough for you. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> All right, brother. Great call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
A fresh new year has begun, and if you're setting new goals for your business, it's extremely difficult to reach them without the right people on your team. And ZipRecruiter has transformed how you go about finding them. ZipRecruiter posts your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just a click. Then ZipRecruiter actively looks for the most qualified candidates and invites them to apply. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter does not depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. No wonder 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, you, my listeners, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. One more time to try it for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. I'm going to say something that's going to be very controversial here. When you get into sports, even more than politics, blood boils. Boils boil. I have to say, watching that New England Patriots-Jaguars game, I think there is something about these refs. There was clearly... Did you watch the game, Mr. Producer? There was clearly a pass interference against the Patriots. Grabbing that guy's shirt, denying them a first down. Did you see that? It was clear as day. I don't know how you miss it. And instead of first down, they had to give up the ball. They had to kick, wasn't it? So, there's just too many calls like that. And I, do I think there's a conspiracy? No. But I think the refs are in awe of this team. And this is a team to be in awe of, the New England Patriots. I would argue the greatest... Well, the team changes. The, the players change over time. But the main players, clearly the greatest team in all of football in all time. That's why every team that plays it is an underdog. But the ref situation is a problem. It is a problem. And it seems to be a problem for virtually every team that plays them. I was listening on the radio for part of it. Dan Fouts. Boy, is he a great commentator, color commentator. And by the way, on the Bellator that I was also watching over the weekend, the MMA, uh, Big John McCarthy who's usually a ref, he was a great color commentator for that, but that's a side point. And even Dad Fouts said, do you know why? Do you know why the Jaguars are saying that he was pulling on his jersey, the receiver's jersey, as, as Fouts said? Because he was. And I went back and looked. How do you miss that? Look, it's, it, I don't take anything away from the Patriots. You, you, they're not a team that wins solely because of stuff like that. But that was just ridiculous, in my view. Just ridiculous, in my view. Okay, there I am on the line. Mark, I didn't know you were Eagles fan. Folks, I was born in Philadelphia. Now, that said, I really like the Washington Redskins, too. I know they're in the same division, so what? 
I like the Washington Redskins a lot, too. And the people that run that organization, they're always very, very polite to me, always very kind to me. The people who run the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, that guy, Lori, he's a left-wing kook. That's right, I said it. He's a left-wing kook. And luckily, he's not on the football field. I'm a Dan Snyder fan because I view him as very solid in principle. Look, he fights to retain the name of his team. How many owners would do that? Let's continue, shall we? Let's get back to what I actually know. Where is uh, Stephen A. when I need him? Hadrian, H-A. Well, you know what? I'm out of time. We will be back. We'll get to Hadrian. Uh, we'll get to others, and i got other things I want to jump into, too. I mean, Pence was unbelievable today. Pence was unbelievable today, the vice president. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, we went to Florida. For a few days. I wish I could tell you we went to Florida because of the weather, but it was very cold in weather. But no, my parents are down there. We went down to visit them and also to do a Levin TV and my radio show. But my father, he's a remarkable man. He's 92 and a half years old. And his, my mother is a wonderful woman, too, and remarkable. He ha- He's completing... His next book, Mr. Producer. He's completing his next book. And he's talked about it. And it doesn't come out till way in October. It's not on Amazon or anything. So I'm, I'm not hawking my dad's, but I'm just telling you about it. And again, it's for young people. And you know what the subject is? Our police. It's a book about the police, what the police do, how they help our communities, how they help people in trouble, how they protect us, how they put their safety on the line. And he just has, for young people, for, little, for younger people, and, and his uh, drawings and so forth. And I said to him, even though I thought I knew the answer, I said, why did you pick this up? He said, well, Mark... All we hear is negative, negative, negative about the police. And the fact of the matter is, what would we do without them? And I just feel it's necessary for younger people to learn about the police. To view the police in a positive way. And so that's what it's about. Isn't that cool? And uh, and it is beautiful. You've seen his his drawings before, and you've seen his, uh, how he's written these things before, and uh, uh, it's not completely done. You know, they work out the 
the kinks and so forth, but but they're getting there. And uh, so the publisher is Simon and Schuster. And so the question is, why October? Why does the book have to wait all the way to October? And you know why? Because when it comes to books for younger people and even little kids, they're harder to print because they have multiple colors. You know, when you print my book, it's black and white pretty much, right? Whatever the color of the paper is and the black print, the, the covers, different colors, but out it goes. When you're doing a book for a young person, or, or a little kid even, they're multiple colors. So it goes through a much more complicated printing process. And it's, by the way, much more expensive. So you got to get in line behind the rest of them. But it'll be released on October 16th, just in time for Christmas. Again, there's nothing you can do about it now. I'm just pointing it out. But I was very proud of him. That is, that is a wonderful thing. You know, he doesn't tell me in advance what he's doing. And then, you know, he said to me... He said, I got another one in mind, too, after this. I said, go for it, Pops. So we, uh, my wife Julie and I, we, we head down there about every month to make sure, keep an eye on my dad and my mother, check them out. And uh, that's what he was doing. I mean, it's really fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. The energy and the motivation, and they're not alone. There's other people out there the same way who are elderly. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that because it was fascinating to me. And he still, we talk almost every night after the program, either he calls me or I call him, totally engaged. It's like my wife's mother, Sylvia, totally engaged. And it is amazing because my dad, my mom, her mom, very solid, very patriotic, very conservative, and get furious with the left, get furious with Schumer. And uh, it's like we'll talk, I'll talk a little bit about the hang-ups, and my dad will say, hey, Mark, it's about this government shutdown stuff and so forth and so on, so we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, Sylvia, same way. It's just a great thing. To, it, it is just terrific. California, here I come, uh, afraid not. California Democrats want some businesses to fork over half of the tax cut savings to the state. If I, if I told you that this was a communist regime that was forcing businesses to do this sort of thing, you'd believe it, right? But California is so completely out of control. Fox News, calling the Trump administration tax reform plan a middle-class tax increase, two California lawmakers introduced a bill that would force large companies to fork over half of their expected savings to the state. So it's not, listen, it's half of their expected savings to the state. To the state. So you're going to yank this money out of the private sector, away from the employees, away from the investors, which could well be your pension plan and give it to the state of California. Because it's a socialistic type state. I'm not a big fan of this uh, tax plan that went through. I know everybody's crediting all the growth to it, which is an impossibility since it's just barely taken place. I think a lot of the growth and, and positive attitude toward the economy is twofold. Number one, Obama's not around anymore. And he and his party don't control the Senate or the House. 
And number two, Trump does say positive things about business. And so people feel good about that. I feel good about that. But many of you are going to come and see when you pay your taxes on April 15th that you're going to take a hit. I know the others aren't going to say that, but you're going to take a hit. Um, because a lot of the taxes you may pay to the state and income taxes, there's a handful of states that don't have them, good for them. I wish I was in one of them. Uh, a lot of the property taxes you pay may not be deductible either. And so that is a big tax hit. Now, one of the things that's happening that's probably positive is people are going to leave high-tax states, particularly people that have money who pay taxes, and go to low-tax states. I even told my wife, we've got to look into this because I'm sick of this. I'm sick of paying these taxes. Virginia, you know, you think of Virginia as a conservative state and so forth. And so aspects of it are, aspects of it aren't. It's a 5.75% upper state income tax. That's not small. The property taxes in my county, Loudoun, are through the roof. And the superintendent, of course, wants to come in and increase spending 8%. 8%. Don't give a damn. And if you don't pay your property taxes, you lose your home. It's that simple. They'll take it from you. I don't believe enough or much at all was done on the individual income tax side. I know we talk about employees receiving a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks bonuses, and other companies like Apple deciding to invest in this. That's all great. That's on the corporate tax cut side, and I'm all for it, and I've been all for it. The problem is on the individual tax cut side, it's not nearly like that. It just isn't. Which was a big mistake. Nobody's taxes should have gone up. They should have slashed individual federal income taxes, but they chose not to. For reasons I don't know, I can't understand. The benefits from the corporate tax cut are obvious, and they are starting to be felt, but there are even more benefits, too, you can add to them, with the individual tax cuts. But in California, you get screwed no matter what. The services stink. The roads stink. Uh, Law enforcement's hands are tied. It's so difficult to be an entrepreneur now in California. And, And California used to be the entrepreneurial center of the world. I mean, that's why you have the Silicon Valley there and so forth. The, uh... The greatest part of California is the weather. And even that gets screwy now. Particularly in Southern California, it's the greatest part. But open borders, people coming across. I mean, it's just, just, like I say, one-party rule that's destroying that state. But the Democrats have decided they're going to copy the California model. A state that would never elect Ronald Reagan again, if he were here. That's a model they like. Overwhelmingly Democrat. Overwhelmingly left-wing. It's always a fight among Democrats for power. Republicans are an afterthought. They don't care if productive people leave their state or not. I guess they think this is going to be able to go on forever. Of course it's not. And then they'll complain that uh, the feds aren't bailing them out. But California Democrats want some businesses to fork over half tax cut savings to the state. Uh, so it, it, it's not even, it would, be, it would be bad enough if they thought they had the power to redistribute those monies to uh, other individuals. 
But no, they want to take it for themselves in the state. And claim they stand for the little guy. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. the Daily Caller, they, uh, they remind us that back in 2008, the Democratic Party platform calls for more infrastructure on the border and more agents. Look back into the Democratic Party's official 2008 platform on immigration. Show just how far left its members have drifted in just 10 years. Under the immigration section of its platform document entitled Renewing America's Promise, the Democratic National Committee criticizes the nation's broken immigration system, pledging in August 2008 that we cannot continue to allow people to enter the United States undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. The harsh language, as the Daily Caller puts it, in the document continues, castigating those who enter our country's borders illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law. By the way, you know what changed all this? Barack Obama. The terms of enforcement, the policy suggestions, mirror President Donald Trump's call for a wall covering part of the U.S.-Mexico border, and an increase in the amount of customs and border protection agents. The platform reads, and I go on, quote, We need to secure our borders and support additional personnel, infrastructure, and technology on the border and at our ports of entry. We need additional customs and border protection agents equipped with better technology and real-time intelligence. We need to dismantle human smuggling organizations combating the crime associated with this trade. The platform also seems to endorse E-Verify, a Department of Homeland Security program that allows employers to check if potential employees have legal status to work in the United States, saying that the country needs to crack down on employers who hired undocumented immigrants and that employers need a method to verify whether their employees are legally eligible to work in the United States. So... Here's my recommendation for the Republicans. I hope they're listening again as they were last week. Take the language out of the 2008 Democrat platform. Put it in the form of a bill. And in three weeks, when the Democrats want a vote on DACA, make them vote on this bill. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? It's right on, right? Take the language... Out of the Democrat, let me say it louder so our, our friends on Fox and everywhere else can hear this and hopefully repeat it. Take the language out of the 2008 Democrat platform, put it in the form of a bill, so when February 8 rolls around and the Democrats want to have a vote up or down on DACA and so forth, make them have a vote on this bill in the very language that was in the Democrat platform in 2008. That's what needs to be done. And I see uh, our favorite cable network. Some have said, well, we've invited Lindsey Graham and others to debate, and we'll continue to do so, but they won't come on. Um, really? Huh. Where did they get that idea from? Didn't, didn't we just do that, Mr. Producer? I think we just... Didn't you just call Lindsey Graham's office and ask him to come on? And Were you ignored? We've called and emailed and nothing. Adrian, Adrian, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on the Levin app. Go. 
Hey, thanks for taking my call, Mark. Uh, big time fan. Thank hey, you. Hey, I got a question for you. To me, yes. it seems like there's a simple solution to the DACA problem. I don't know if I'm just overlooking something or what it is here, but um, I'm, I'm against any kind of uh, amnesty just on principle matter. But looking at the, just the compromise and so forth, what if uh, Republicans granted them the resident legal stat, permanent legal status, uh, continuing over reviewed every five years or so, and as long as they're being productive, they can stay here. That way, they're in the country, uh, and if they're being productive, we're not supporting them, and they won't be able to vote. So, well, there's a couple of reasons I would object. Number one, it is amnesty of a form. Number two, you get a Democrat president in Congress or, an, or a kook Supreme Court or a federal judge, and they're not going to live by those terms. But oh. here's my, my here's here is my biggest problem. Why aren't we discussing the end of chain migration, the visa lottery, and uh, physical barriers as well as additional agents on the southern border and funding that before we're compromising, quote-unquote, on DACA? How many more times are we going to get screwed? What's that? I agree. All that should be done prior to doing anything. No, of course. We We should insist... And I say our agenda, the agenda that was that of the Democrat Party 10 years ago, the agenda that was that of the United States Congress 12 years ago in the bill they passed in 2006, the promises they made in 1965, 1986, 1990. It's time for us to say, okay, we'll discuss illegal aliens after we secure our border, deal with chain migration, deal with the diversity lottery, and I should add one more, and Try to deport as many of the visa violators as possible. People who have violated their visas, they came into this country to teach, to be entertainers, to be students, or whatever visa they used, to get into this country under penalty of perjury, they need to go. They're not children, they need to go. So, it's time to enforce federal law, it's time to change aspects of federal law that have been discussed before and promised before, uh, before yet another 19th round of amnesty light or amnesty period. This is one of the reasons Lindsey Graham cannot be in any future negotiations. And this is why Lindsey Graham also needs to be defeated in the next South Carolina Republican primary, which really isn't a Republican primary. It's an open primary. Thank you for your call, my friend. But if Lindsey Graham thinks he can run around and tell, tell us which people should be in negotiations, then we ought to say Lindsey Graham should be out. He's just another liberal Democrat when it comes to this. All right. I want to get to these calls now. Well, let's do quickly. Kurt, St. Louis, Missouri, the great KFTK country. Go. Yes, Mr. Levin, I just want you to tell your dad thank you very much for the interest he has in writing a book on law enforcement. I think it's very, very, very severely needed. I uh, have retired after 36 years of doing law enforcement only because I couldn't stomach um, what has happened to law enforcement uh, since the Ferguson narrative and and etc. And you saw it up close and personal out there in yeah, St. Louis. Yeah, um, was on you know uh, front lines of many of the protests and, and etc. But you know, as when children, I, uh, I have a hard break, Kurt. I want to thank you for your service, and I want to thank you for the compliment to my father. We will we will be right back.
Ben, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. I've got something very positive for you in a moment. And this too, by the way. Goals for 2018. I've got them. But I can only achieve them if I'm well rested. And thankfully, I have a Casper mattress helping me get a great night's sleep. Casper mattress has a unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and comfort so you feel perfectly balanced. And thanks to the breathable material, you're guaranteed to sleep cool. Plus, the mattresses are built to last for years. Basically, since I've gotten my Casper, I've gotten the best sleep ever. So I know 2018 is going to be a great year. Try Casper yourself for 100 nights in your own home, risk-free. They ship it to you for free in a compact box. Plus, if you don't love it, you don't have to put it back in that tiny box. They'll just come pick it up and refund you everything. No questions asked. So start your year off right with a guaranteed great night's sleep every night. Get a Casper. Try yours for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash mark and use code mark to save 50% on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark and then you enter code mark to save $50, I should say, not 50%, $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. Terms and conditions apply. Ooh, that's 50 bucks. Vice President of the United States spoke to the Knesset today, which in Israel, I guess, is yesterday, and he did a hell of a job. And I can't play the whole thing, but I can play a couple of clips that I think you'll like. You know, uh, I told somebody today, I said, only Trump could have done this. Only Trump could have done this in less than one year in his presidency. He recognizes Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And then the vice president of the United States announces to the Knesset that the United States embassy will in fact be moved to Jerusalem in 2019. In about one year's time. No prior Republican president since Israel has, since the country of Israel, the nation of Israel has existed for 70 years. No prior Republican president had the guts to do it. And certainly no Democrat president, particularly when you consider what Obama was doing. And you hear no praise from liberal Jews, liberal Democratic Jews in the Senate. You hear nothing from Schumer, nothing from Card, nothing from any of these people. Because I told you before, they put country, excuse me, they put party before country. They put party before the religion, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Here's Mike Pence at the Knesset today. Cut 14, go. Jerusalem is Israel's capital, and as such, President Trump has directed the State Department to immediately begin preparations to move the United States Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. In the weeks ahead, our administration will advance its plan to open the United States Embassy in Jerusalem. And that United States Embassy will open before the end of next year. Our President made his decision, in his words, in the best interest of the United States. But he also made it clear that we believe that his decision is in the best interest of peace. By finally recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital, 
The United States has chosen fact over fiction. And fact is the only true foundation for a just and lasting peace. This is enormously historic. I want you to compare this to what Obama did. You know, clarity when it comes to principles, when it comes to integrity, is a very important thing. The prior administration funded the Iranian regime to the tune of $150 billion and all kinds of concessions, some of them still secret. They even protected Hezbollah, a terrorist organization. This administration will have none of that. They know who our enemies are and they know who our friends are. Cut 15, go. The United States appreciates your government's declared willingness to resume direct peace negotiations with the Palestinian Authority. And today, we strongly urge the Palestinian leadership to return to the table. Peace can only come through dialogue. Now, we recognize that peace will require compromise, but you can be confident in this. The United States of America will never compromise the safety and security of the state of Israel. Any peace agreement must guarantee Israel's ability to defend itself by itself. Finally, cut 16. Go. Two and a half years ago, the previous administration in America signed a deal with Iran that merely delays the day when that regime can acquire a nuclear weapon. The Iran nuclear deal is a disaster. And the United States of America will no longer certify this ill-conceived agreement. I'll stop there. That's news. That's breaking news right there. Bob Corker swallowed his Adam's apple. We're no longer going to certify the Iran deal. Go ahead. At President Trump's direction, we're working to enact effective and lasting restraints on Iran's nuclear and ballistic missile programs. Earlier this month, the President waived sanctions on Iran to give the Congress and our European allies time to pass stronger measures. But as President Trump made clear, this is the last time. Unless the Iran nuclear deal is fixed, President Trump has said the United States will withdraw from the Iran nuclear deal immediately. And, of course, withdrawing from the Iran nuclear deal, folks, is in our best interests. Those ICBMs are intended for countries like ours. But here's an example of what I'm talking about. Ben, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC, go! Hi, Mark. How are you? It's, you're, you're the voice of reason in a chaotic world. Well, thank you, Ben. Well, I, I just uh, heard you talking about um, moving the embassy from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And I want to say it's not a great idea, but not for the reason that you may think. I've lived in Israel for uh, two, two plus years, a little over two years. I attended... Um, All right, sir, I'm not interested in a resume. Just go right ahead. Why? Okay, okay. and uh, 
because it, 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 there's so much traffic in Jerusalem itself. If you're going to move to uh, if you're going to move the embassy there, it's just going to create chaos. I see. So it's a traffic issue for you. It, it is a traffic issue. Tel Aviv I is see. a perfect place. Um, it, it, Jerusalem, uh, the concept of it, and and the. Have you ever been to Washington D.C., sir? I have. You ever been there during rush hour? Uh, probably yes. Okay. Should we move our capital? <laughs> Here's your head, genius. Let's move on. Let's see another one. Rob Ogden Dunes, Indiana, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark, it's an honor to talk to you. i got to tell you, I think with the government shutdowns, it spawns good ideas. And, and let me pitch this one to you. If the DACA is going to go through and they acknowledge, those illegals that are here acknowledge that they're here illegally, that's going to constitute a felony. No, and it they, doesn't. It constitutes a misdemeanor. Who's their right to vote? Hello? It constitutes a misdemeanor, not a felony. Upgrade the charge on it. Oh, I see. And who's going to upgrade it? Congress? They would have to change it. So your idea isn't going to fly. All right, Rob, I don't mean to disappoint you. I wish it would. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember the pom-pom boys and girls and the Rockettes just a couple of weeks ago telling us how magnificent the meeting was with the president, the 27 the members of Congress and how he did this, and that really uh, that was that really showed that the president wasn't mentally ill. And I said, how stupid is this? The president doesn't have to prove he's not mentally ill. He, he certainly doesn't have to prove it by meeting with deranged members of Congress. Remember all that, Mr. Producer? He said, but he's playing them. And he said, I said, no. The president was showing weakness on DACA, and I said, no, we need to pull him back. And we do that by respectfully, civilly, and legitimately as conservatives. Telling him to come back, criticizing any approach to DACA that would be amnesty. And he may wind up there, but I hope if he winds up there, he does something like big time on chain migration and the wall and all the rest of it. But we'll see. We'll get there. And the reason I tell you this is, you make a huge difference. People get on TV and they get behind microphones and they're just cheerleading. It's not going to work. It's not good enough. The president should be praised when the president should be praised. But if it looks like he's going wobbly on stuff, whether it was Reagan or, or, or Thatcher would say things of this sort, we need to speak up because he's getting tons and tons of pressure from the, from the permanent government from the rhinos, from liberal Democrats who surround him and so forth, and he needs to hear from us. So it's not enough just to say, oh, this is magnificent and so forth and so on. We need to say is, no, don't go there, please, Mr. President, and here's why. This is why it's important to still have this fellow Steve Miller there. That's why it's important to have Tom Cotton in there. Lindsey Graham wants to get rid of all the voices of reason on this. All the voices of principle. Like you, like me. And so rather than take a rather surface level, superficial approach to this and just cheer, 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 whatever. No, you can cheer. But we've got to say, don't, don't 
go in the wrong direction. Don't lurch in the wrong direction here. We're still here, and we will back you. Please don't lurch in the wrong direction. It's important. That's part of our civic duty as a people. Lynn, Lyons, Ohio, Sirius Satellite, go. Hi, Mark. I love your program. Thank it's you. It's very informative. You are very intelligent, and you are in an excellent spot. I always think that you should be in office, but I thought, no, this is a better spot because you can inform the nation better what's going on. And Thank a lot you. of times I feel like a serf to our Congress, our government, when I mm-hmm. petition to them. And as far as the immigrants go, nobody's talking about anchor babies anymore. Um, train migration has been mentioned. But these parents, they came here illegally. They knew they were illegally. They hauled their children behind them. And if we stop this um, illegal immigration like this and push them all back to where they belong, deport them all, it will be a big signal to everybody else just to stay home. Don't well, they're not to going to deport them all. That's not going to happen. They're not going to start rounding up people and deporting them. But the way you, you encourage people to leave in a humane way is to discourage them from getting public benefits and enforce the law when it comes to employment through E-Verify and so forth. There are laws in the books that can assist us in this regard, but we're told not to enforce them. And then you have these sanctuary cities and states and so forth. So uh, unlike Eisenhower, we're not talking about uh, thousands and thousands of yellow buses uh, forcibly putting people in them and sending them over the board. That's not going to happen unless, of course, they've committed crimes and so forth. But there are other ways to address this, and they ought to be addressed those ways. Yes. All right, my friend, we're going to take a break, and I appreciate your very fine call. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Do you have a free subscription to Unprimus? If not... Here's your chance to join a community of 3.7 million conservative Americans who read in Primus every month. And as always, it's free as part of Hillsdale College's efforts to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty. And you can subscribe right now for absolutely no charge at all at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Now, my site features the Imprimus edition by my friend, Dr. Larry Arne, the president of Hillsdale, and the world's leading scholar on Winston Churchill. And Dr. Arne shares three key lessons we can all learn from Churchill. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. Dr. Arne tells the inspiring story about Churchill's courage and what you and your children can learn from him about making wise choices. This terrific piece appears only in Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest from Hillsdale College. And Primus is one of the most widely read publications in the country with a larger circulation than the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal. It features the very best in conservative thought from heroes of the cause. Read this inspiring edition and start receiving in Primus free every month. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. 
By the way, Rediscovering Americanism, I don't know when it's coming out in paperback, but I will tell you this. It has now sold over 200,000 copies. And that's really a big deal for a book that is as heavy as that book is. I mean intellectually. I write all my books. I don't have any ghostwriters. I wish I didn't have this adult asthma so I could do all the audio, but it's not possible for me. So I can do the first chapter and the last chapter. And we inform you of that right on the audio cover. So if I could, I would, but I can't. But I can write the entire book. So while I may not be able to do the entire audio, I do write the entire book. So that's a good thing, right? All right. Let's take some more calls. Dave, Paramus, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Mr. Levin, great honor and privilege to be speaking to you, sir. I've been trying to get Thank you, you for years. Read Thank your you. book, your latest book, Rediscovering Americanism. Fascinated. Thank you so much, Professor Levin. Quick question, quick statement. Uh, I'll pose it more like a question. President Trump, I know in my heart of hearts, is going to do something with DACA, uh, but he's going to secure the big three. My biggest fear is this, and I'd like your opinion on it. Do you think the Democrats are going to allow him to actually do this? Because in event, he will be championing, championing their cause. Well, you raise an interesting point. There's, there's, there's something that needs to occur here before he champions their cause, which is it's not enough to get a promise that they will fund X, Y, and Z. They won't do it. They lied to Reagan. They lied to Bush. They lied to the American people. They will not do it. They will take amnesty, and then that will be the end of that. This is why I keep saying, forget about the tail wagging the dog. The dog needs to wag the tail, and he's the dog. He's the tough guy. And what he needs to do is get a, an appropriation on that wall and other barriers and more agents. He needs to get in a, 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 a legislative change on chain migration up front that he can sign, uh, including abolishing it, I might add, abolishing the uh, diversity visa program uh, and funds appropriated to deport not just illegal aliens, but in specific people who are violating their visas, which is 40 to 45 percent of the number. These are people who, who forget about sneaking across the border in a wall. They walk through the front door and they don't leave under penalty of perjury. They sign these documents. So that's what needs to come first before there's any, you know, reforming of this or changing of that when it comes to illegal aliens. That is, we have to prevent more from coming. But thanks for your call, Dave. Good call. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Thank you all very, very much. And I'll be right back tomorrow. I hope you'll join me as well. God bless you.